podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombs Show, Edge Rush. I am Nat Coombs. He is Prop O, a.k.a. Producer Ollie, a.k.a. The Amers King of Plumpton. We are back in business, Propo. Well, yeah, you're back in business. I like, the way, yeah, I like the way you bring that up early doors. I think oh, yeah. um, the LA Chargers bet against Houston Texans might go down as the worst <laughs> I've ever made. It was the squarest pick yes. and easily one of the worst I've ever made. I mean, obviously, I could come in here with loads of excuses. COVID, they basically didn't have any wide receivers. Um, they had severe issues, but... I could not believe when watching that game mm. how bad they were defensively. Could you, you could, like every you single both. play? You and me both, because as I have often outlined on the show, I follow you religiously, Propo, because you yeah. put in up to 20 hours a day, pouring through stats and data to be the sharp king of Plumpton that you are. And so that was your lock of the week. Of course, I, I followed that in. I'm going to back your Drew lock of the week. Disappointed. <laughs> Crazy. Not, not just, I mean, my God, it was it, it, very representative of this season, that, that complete head scratcher. And look, I guess in, in retrospect, we didn't expect the Texans to do what they did, but the in, we're going to get into this, I think, on today's show. In Every team has injuries, but the significance of certain players at certain times in certain matchups, at certain stages of the season, I think really, really instrumental. And I, I look back at that charge and think given that, I mean, I didn't expect to get hammered like that, but given the, how significant that line was, we should have probably stayed away from it when we saw, and we did say that to be fair to you. We said that last week, take a close look at the injury report before you dive in here. But Hey, look, chalk them up. Yeah, I took it at eight and a half. That was because we did the show last Tuesday, obviously yeah. ahead of the Christmas break. I actually got that line at eight and a eight half. Eight and a half. Because I, I was definitely I was, in double digits. By yeah, it went to 12 and a half yeah, by Sunday. So yeah, yeah. I thought I was sitting there pretty on well, quite a decent number. Um, but no, absolutely not. They ended up losing the game outright and looked absolutely abject. It was okay. pathetic. Where does that leave our Drew Locks of the week then? Well, actually, my, Rams, you know what? my Rams pick came in. Your uh, Rams pick came in. Um, I have to say that basically the reason that I picked the Chargers last week, it wasn't because I thought they were going to win. It was because mm. I wanted to keep it competitive. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, do you know what sure, I mean? Just for the sake sure. of sportsmanship. So it means sure. we are both currently 10 and 6. 10 and 6. Nail-biting stuff, proper. Nail-biting stuff. I love the fact that my Rams pick came in despite Matt Stafford throwing 11 interceptions. <laughs> I know, I know. That was a crazy game. Well, we've got three more games to pick for you this week. Uh, we've got our Drew Locks of the week, of course, our Acker of the week with a little bit of a twist. Proper Acker of the week. Yeah, it's a little bit, a little, little, a little twist on it. We got your prop bets. How did your prop bets go on last week? Again, I'm just going to complain about the fact that we recorded last Tuesday. I would have mm. never backed out for Kamara to score a touchdown if I knew Ian Book was going to be at quarterback. The, luckily, the, the biggest mm. prize actually came in and DK Metcalf, he did manage to score a touchdown. He did manage to reconnect with Russell Wilson at Christmas. Nice. But the one I'm really gutted about, not because... Forget the money. James Robinson going down with a major injury. Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah. Early in the first half, like that is absolutely gutting. Finally, he got rid of Urban Meyer and he was going to be able to yeah. demonstrate what he can do once again. And he goes down with an injury like that. And you saw how distraught he was when he was going off the field, had the towel over his head, definitely in tears. And I'm just upset for him, but hopefully he can come back next year with a better coach and even stronger. Well, you'd hope so. Hell of a player. And of course, as an undrafted free agent, not that this is necessarily the forefront of its mind, but it's probably not too far away. It wasn't like he signed a big first, second round rookie deal, right? So, no, exactly. 
Yeah, wishing him the best. Uh, speaking of which, before we get into our picks and our games, we want to start the show by remembering uh, Jeff Dickerson, who passed away age 44, um, which was news that broke around the same time the John Madden news broke. In fact, I, I woke up that morning and, and found out about Madden first and soon after Dickerson. And look, Madden, uh, as we know, as so many people have written and talked about, is one of the most instrumental figures in our game. And uh, of course, that was very sad news to hear. Dickerson at 44, and some of you will remember he did our show a few years back. He was a reporter in Chicago for two decades. And when the Bears came over a couple of years back, he popped in and saw us And what must have been an incredibly busy time for him covering his team overseas and was gave us all the time we wanted, was brilliant, insightful, charming, funny, an all-round lovely guy, a brilliant professional. And at 44, gone way too soon. So I wanted to start the show by raising a glass to to Jeff. It's, It's a sad tale, even more poignantly so, because his son Parker, who he leaves behind, who's 11, uh, lost his mother a couple of years back. Um, so really, really tragic news all around. Adam Scheffner, uh, Shefty's put out, uh, and, and certainly, I don't know if he set it up, but he has been promoting it, and we will push it out on the NC Show handle as well, uh, a GoFundMe page or the equivalent of a, of a GoFundMe page where you can donate to, to Parker um, uh, if you want to. Look, I don't know, times are tough at the moment. So if you're not able to do that, fair enough. What I would ask humbly is if you can't, donate anything to that just go and spend 15 20 minutes reading some of jeff's work just spend time looking up jeff dickerson on google remembering his work um as as a tribute to him because this business is made up of some really really talented people that don't always get uh, the headlines and don't always get uh, the top billing Uh, and dickerson was an absolute pros pro so saluting him and raising a glass. And I just wanted to start the show by remembering him. Hell of a guy. Right. Let's get down to business propo. Let's start with the Arizona Dallas game. That's our first game on the slate. So, uh, so much being talked about Arizona this week. Huh? Um, I saw somebody pushed out earlier in the week, this narrative that's building up a lot of steam. Now King- Kingsbury on the hot seat underpinned by look at Kingsbury's record in the second half of seasons, tri- stretch, uh, stretch all the way back to Texas tech. He, you know, everything goes off the rails. What's the problem here? I've been thinking a lot about this and reading a lot and listening uh, to a lot of different opinions on it. I have been, along with you, part of that camp that hasn't been wholly convinced about Arizona for much of the season, particularly when they were were winning and winning strong and had the best record in football. We talked to, to, you know, to them, I remember two months plus back to Shane Vereen on this very show, Shane was very much saying, yeah, look, they're a talented team. They're great fun to watch. You've got the Sandlot football vibe going on with Kyler and Rondale Moore. And, but when you get into the deep waters of the playoffs, I will take Rogers. I'll take Brady every single time. Right. And, and it was, it's more than just that specific matchup. It's the depth of experience or lack of, and then JJ, what went down and, and you know, this, so this has been around for a while. The flip side of it, though, is that I am not buying that Arizona is suddenly a bad team and that Kingsbury should go and the overreaction, I think, that's happening. So, look, firstly, the D-hop loss. 
in major, right? But of course, many teams have to deal with this. But the way that certain teams are built and structured, a loss of a player like that is more significant than, than two others. And I think that is underestimated a little bit or underplayed a bit because Kyle is a dual threat quarterback, right? So for example, you were talking on the show last week about the Rams being one dimensional, or certainly this reliance uh, on the Stafford to cup connection. And there are certain teams that have this overly significant relationship and connection that drives the offense, right? If you take cup out of that Rams offense now, deep, deep trouble. And that's partly, I think, because Stafford, it's, yes, it's partly what else is around him, but it's because he's that kind of unreconstructed, slightly old school quarterback. He's not a dual threat quarterback. If Aaron Rodgers loses Devontae, it's a little bit different because you're talking about one of the great quarterbacks of his generation. And actually he is, if not the, the same ability as a player like Kyler, has that improvisational extend the play kind of skill, but it's, it's a huge, huge Huge, huge loss. So you take a, a player like D-Hop out, you've got to look at, well, what's left behind? Yes, on the one hand, you have this dual threat ability from Kyler, which I think has, has meant people have downplayed it. But I think we've overplayed the supporting cast, something else that's come up a lot this season. And we'll talk about the Chiefs supporting cast a little bit as well, right? But Rondale Moore, love, really exciting to watch. Love watching him. But really, were we thinking Rondale Moore and Christian Kirk were going to be able to, to weather the load? Scratch a bit more beneath the surface. Rodney Hudson, big loss, big loss for them. And I'm starting to then look at things, looking at their record, looking at why their season, the second half of the season, remember, is the thing I'm challenging here. Well, Kyler was out for X number of games, right? Peter Schrager, good morning football uh, guy, was talking on, maybe in Simmons' pod, talking on a show this week anyway, he was sidelining during the Indianapolis game, right? And he knows Colt McCoy because Colt McCoy has been around the league for a long time. So he said he was chatting to Colt McCoy before the game, and Colt McCoy said to him, "Oh yeah, I'm going to be um, I'm going to be holding uh, because they you know the punter had got banged up in warmups or last minute scratch, right? So they had to adapt quickly. And Traeger was like, "Really?" He goes, "Yeah." McCoy says, "Yep, yeah, never done it before in my <laughs> in my career, never." And we all know what happened there, and that was really the difference in that game. So. That's just bad luck. You can't legislate for that. You can't legislate for the loss of a player as significant as, as D-Hop. I think we overplayed the supporting cast. Kyle has been banged up and they're still, by the way, in contention. This idea that Kingsbury should be fired, that he's going to lose, he's losing. It's just that fine margins, Propo, fine margins. And I think people are oversimplifying what's going on in Arizona. What do you think? I think they're exactly where we think they should be. Do you not? Mm. Do you not think that it's it's the market and Arizona have leveled out to the point where we kind of expect them to be? If anything, they've still over accomplished this season already with well, their ten five record. Uh, and this is where it gets tricky because every team has to contend with injuries, right? But you have yeah. to accept that that obviously certain teams are luckier than others in that respect, right? If Kyler had stayed fit, and I know this is a massive if, but humor me for a minute. Kyler had stayed fit the whole season. Yeah. So not just the games he missed, but how he was when he came back. D-Hop was fit the whole season. And let's say, okay, Hudson, they, they had lost for the times that they did. So would they have a better record? You know, I honestly don't know if they necessarily would. Because I think that this is where they are as a team right now. I think we've seen a regression in their secondary. I think the one yeah. player that you haven't mentioned 
uh, who has been massive loss for them was JJ Watt. I think he oh, was, a, sure. yeah, yeah, he was yeah. a leader on that defense. Yeah. He was actually playing defensive tackle and their run, their run defense has massively regressed since he got injured. So that's another one to add to the list, but I'm just not sure. I think this team is on course to be a team that contend for the Super Bowl because of the fact they have Kyle Murray, because of the fact they have DeAndre Hopkins, mm. those two level of players means that you've got a great chance going forward and their defense is on the up with players like Buddha Baker, with yeah. players like Chandler Parsons. But I think they, what we saw from the start of the season, I think there is an argument. We see it with Marcelo Bielsa all the time, don't we? In English Premier League, they always say that he could never been able to maintain mm. his form from the first half of the season to the second half of the season. Mm. And I think that, there's always going to be an element of truth to that. And I think, but as Marcelo Bielsa has probably got older in his career and kind of progressed, he's managed to challenge that and kind of debunk that theory. And I think that Cliff Kingsbury will probably be able to do that next season. That will be the main aim. They will look at this and go, okay, well, we started the season really well. We did that the same, the same season before. So how can we go into the season to try and maintain it and to try and develop more consistency instead of being hot at the start and cold later on in the season? Yeah, it's, it's a really good point. And look, by the way, they're on the secondary. They've been unlucky there as well, banned up there in the secondary too. So I think they've been on the wrong side of the line when it comes to bad luck with injury. On that note, looks like they could be without DJ Humphreys, their blindside tackle. He's on the COVID list, right? In, in mm-hmm. this game. And let's talk about this game. Dallas, uh, and in particular, the strength that they have, certainly they've got strength and depth that we're talking about, comparing and looking at these narratives that are flying around when fully fit, Dallas have offensively amongst the most devastating collection and range of weapons out there, right? Defensively, mm-hmm. we're looking yeah. at Dallas's upward trajectory. I remember at the start of the season, we were talking about Dallas and saying, look, we all know they're going to be good offensively, providing everyone stays fit and Dak's back. And we realized he, he would be straight away. The concern was clearly the defense and the unknown quantities, right? Because there were big name players in there like Demarcus Lawrence, like Randy Gregory. And then, of course, there was a lot of unknown and in particular young unknown talent. And we all know led by by uh, Mika Parsons where that has where that has led. So the defense we know is 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 playing up. But again, both Gregory and Lawrence absences at key stages of this season. And we're saying, oh, we're not sure about this stat. And they're back and they're creating havoc and uh, and the balance is there. I particularly because of the secondary, oh, I can't see any way Dallas don't win this. And and I'm interested in what the where the line is right now in terms of whether they cover. So Dallas will be the favorites. What is what is the line right now? We're recording this, what are we? New Year's Eve, uh, Friday morning. Friday morning, New Year's Eve. Dallas are favoured by six points. Wow, that's gone up, right? It has gone up massively. And it's a really interesting line because this is, as much as you said the Arizona Cardinals have aggressed massively, this is still a 10-5 and football team going on the road against Dallas Cowboys. The, The biggest trend to see this year, which has been really interesting, which is a bookie's nightmare, is the America's team have gone 12 and three against the spread this season. Mm-hmm. which is just a nightmare for, for bookies all across the board because everyone knows mm-hmm. that on a Sunday, people are always going to back the Dallas Cowboys because they're the Dallas Cowboys. So for right. them to go that well against the spread is fascinating to see. And one which I think Sharps have now been kind of put off a little bit of fading the Cowboys. I think there was a trend earlier this year where everyone was kind of thinking, okay, the Cowboys have started really well against the spread. This is the time to fade them because the market's overvaluing them. But it's got to the point now where they're covering so frequently that I think everyone's just holding off until next year because the market will overvalue them massively next year, especially depending on how well they do in the playoffs. Mm. My only thing is here 
is they've covered four, they've gone four and over the last four weeks with four wins. But the teams they've beaten, they beat the Washington football team twice. I mean, obviously they crushed them mm. last week. It was, I mean, they crushed a team that was beating themselves up at the end of the day, like quite literally. So I think that's going to be a, take that with a pinch of salt. Mm. The Saints they beat, which they should have actually lost that game. They were out. The Saints actually got more offensive yards than them that game, but Taylor, Taysom Hill just basically was throwing, turning the ball over, uh, every other possession it seemed like and then Mike Glenn and the New York Giants so I do you don't think even have to that finish that step. you just need to say and then Mike Glenn yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you just carry on exactly and then Mike Glenn and the New York Giants we all know what that means so I just six points is way too many now isn't it do you not think like I just think that's a lot considering that we're talking about an Arizona Cardinals team that is 10 and 5 they probably would have beaten the Indianapolis Colts last week if it wasn't for a couple of big plays and Matt Prater missing kicks because of what you just said so I think that the Cardinals are a better team than people are giving them credit for they are still 7 and 1 against spread in their last 8 road games Mm. I think this is a classic end of season spot where everyone's buying in on Dallas Cowboys right now because Mm. of the form they're in and everyone's selling on the Arizona Cardinals and in those situations I'm always going to be tempted to take Arizona Cardinals especially with a six point cushion yeah I think that's a really solid argument you'd be proud of me proper I'm starting to lean towards the sharp side occasionally and I and I could see why why this is looking at the number I mean certainly if it goes to seven which is is that possible given what you said about everybody piling in on the Cowboys I'm sure it is I think someday this probably will go to seven Mm. because everyone will pile on the Cowboys everyone watched Dallas Cowboys destroy the Washington football team last Sunday night I mean Dallas scored more points last week the last time they scored that many points I wasn't born (laughs) and they managed to do that in prime time Wow. So, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, that always means the market's going to be inflated on the Cowboys mm. going into next week. That's just the way this thing works. Yeah, yeah you know, I, I've been big on Dallas for, for much of the season. They were one of my uh, preseason picks for uh, to be a contender, and, and it's playing out that way. And I do get the argument that we can get over... Look, I've just spent 10 minutes defending Cliff Kingsbury, but my point was more not, I think Arizona are going to do much more this season, although I, I do think they, uh, they're they better than everybody's suggesting. It's that I, I don't think the reasons that they have... Their success has diminished and they have regressed as the season's gone on is, is because... Kingsbury's a bad coach that that you know I think there are so many other contributing factors to it and maybe that will turn out to be one of them but I don't think we know that yet and so you know me I'll let's uh, err on the side of patience and giving people time to to work it out all right so difficult line there uh, I think if it goes to seven Arizona looks like the play for me but at the moment I'm not sure I'm not sure on it Do it could you be strong- one that you tease either way mm. it could be one of those that you tease either way take the Dallas Cowboys down to maybe like minus two and a half or something push the yeah, Cardinals up like to a that. stronger number as well that could make more sense I think, honestly, mm. I will take the Arizona Cardinals here, especially if it goes to seven, but I think I'll even mm. take it at six. And mm. then the over-unders are currently, I think the over-unders might have even gone up to 52 overnight. It has, so it was 51 and a half when I checked last night, but it's already gone up over 52. So much money coming in on the over. Yeah. That is because the Dallas Cowboys are scoring p- points for fun at the minute. They are the mm. number one scoring offense in the NFL, averaging 30 and a half points per game. But the only thing that I would look on the other side of this, I would probably be tempted to go on the under as much as it's no fun but the Cardinals actually have the number five scoring defense allowing only 20 points per game and the Cowboys with a fit secondary and a fit defensive front 
easily have one of the scariest defences in this league right now, as you've mm. already mentioned. So with those two things combined, I actually don't necessarily see the Arizona Cardinals, especially putting up a lot of points. And I think if this game's going to be close, which I expect it to be to an extent, I think it's more likely to go under the points total. I love that coming from the Unders King of Plumpton. Of course you do. Although, and then we've got to get into other games. One final thing on this. As you were talking then, I think Dallas will put up points on Arizona because they're banged up in the secondary in particular. I think I think they will put up points. And if you're feeling like the Dallas defense will smother them a little bit, oh yeah, maybe, maybe. Cowboys is the play. No, that's my only, yeah. I do kind of, I kind of also see that to be completely honest with you. I expect Cowboys fully to win this game. Don't get me wrong. I do expect the Cowboys to win this game. And I think that they are the better team overall. But the only, the only, what I'm doing here now is playing the number. That's yeah, simply it. Yeah, I'm yeah. just playing the number. There is no way that the Cowboys are a six point favorite against Arizona Cardinals. Like I think this number's uh, this number at the same time now could be a little bit of a trap. A trap. It could be a, a trap in favor of the Cowboys. If that makes sense. The markets mm-hmm. could be saying you should probably be betting on the Arizona Cardinals or tempting yeah, us to bet on the Arizona yeah, Cardinals by yeah, yeah. making this number bigger when they actually believe that the Cowboys could blow out could the blow, team. blow them out. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, let's move on to a game I know you're going to be watching keenly, Propo. The Chiefs heading to Cincinnati. Uh, the Bengals can win the North, of course. Is that right? My math's right with this yes. win. They win the North? Yes. And a lot of people are talking about that off the back of this brilliant performance last week from the team collectively, from Joe Burrow, specifically and it's something we've got into all season long how exciting they are to watch and we get it we know it and everybody's saying this is their moment now this is where they could they've got so much riding on this my counter argument to this is so of kansas city has everyone everyone every, every single thing i've read or listened to about this game this week has emphasized the Bengals. it's all it's so much riding on this game they're so motivated the Chiefs have got the number one seed to deal. And how important is that? Obviously, no one's talking about it. How significant this game is for Kansas City as much as it is for Cincinnati. I think the difference is, is that Kansas City have been involved in quite a few really, really important games over the past two or three years, including mm. obviously two Super Bowls, whereas the Cincinnati Bengals, the only important games they've been involved in over the past couple of years is whether or not they're going to get the number one pick. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. so I think that's why everyone's getting overexcited. I mean, they're, they're mm. just a team at the moment. I mean, they're so easy to get behind. Obviously, this is easy for me to say this as a big fan of them. But when you've got no, they are. the likes, when you've got four players in Joe Mixon, Joe Burrow, T Higgins and Jamar Chase, who are all under the age of 25, and all playing as well as they are, it is always going to be excited. There's nothing that sports fans love more than young talent, young promising talent. Like I think, and the Cincinnati Bengals epitomise that right now. And especially with the way Joe Burrow's handled it, he plays the media very well, like the way that he mm. came out with a Father Christmas hat on and the SpongeBob jumper on and sat there and basically said, well, yeah, you're going to talk about my gold jacket now. Do you know what I mean? Like he kind yeah, of came yeah, out yeah. and played that. That's exactly what everyone wanted to hear. And Do you know result- what Burrow showed me then? I hadn't really clocked this or I hadn't clocked this at all. Burrow demonstrated in that whole, with that whole exchange, yeah, that he's got a sense of humor and he also is a, is a canny operator in terms of playing the media. And, and I don't mean that in a cynical way, just as, you know, he's, he's yeah. a smart operator, but he just showed this toughness, this ruthlessness, which of course is, is there and has to be there. And I would argue any starting quarterback in the NFL with maybe one or two exceptions, but absolutely with the 
good ones and 100% with the great ones, right? And he's potentially a great one. This is completely the, 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 that kind of Brady-esque, Rogers-esque, ruthless, no-nonsense. And that really came across. And maybe it's his youth and even as superficial things, you know, when you're looking at players like him, and we definitely see this with Zach Wilson as well, you just think, oh, this, you know, <laughs> really young, fresh face. Yeah, yeah. It sometimes betrays the fact they are playing at the top level and they're no-nonsense characters. And, and his reaction to, to Wink Martindale and, and all of that, and, and he just, even his cadence and his, and his choice of language and the way he delivered that, I just thought, Jesus, I do not want to get on the wrong side of Burrow. <laughs> That's what I walked away thinking from that. Yeah, exactly. And you know, uh, who's obviously also a very smart operator and has been around the block, Steve Spagnolo. Yeah, right. So obviously going off what Wink said last week, he was asked a similar question this week and Steve Spagnolo, being the operator he is, was not going to get involved in any of that. Yeah. Do you know what he said? Similar to what you just said, he reminds me of a young Tom Brady. Yeah, there you go. So that's what you want. I also quite like that because I think that might be like a backhanded compliment as well because obviously Spags is known for being a defensive coordinator yeah, for the stats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a great point. That's so it works that. both that's ways. smart from Spags. Yeah. I love that. Well, look, let's, let's look at Kansas City a bit because I, after chatting with Iron Mike on our review show earlier this week, that's out in the vault. Go and check that out if you haven't listened to it already. Uh, Iron Mike on vintage form as ever. We were celebrating the, the Chiefs renaissance and uh, I was reminded of a column I wrote all the way back in week nine, proper, which I know that uh, I think I believe I shared with you. I think our guys on social shared, shared it under duress. With <laughs> shared random people on the street. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was just handing it out to people yeah. for Squawker. I'll be writing for Squawker all season long, get the plug in there. And I had suggested that everybody's getting a little bit carried away. Because remember, I just want to remember, forget my column, but just this deafening, noise oh this is the end of this is the end of this potential dynasty that that chiefs will never be the same again i, I heard respected commentators saying this never, this is over that defense sucks go figure defense has been driving their, their success but their offense that was everyone was keying in on their offense they've worked them out There's, they don't have an answer for this they're gonna have to tear it up and start again and of course that that has proved to be utter nonsense I know that they have had a relatively straightforward run in those in that eight win streak, right? So the Giants, the, when they beat the Packers, that was the Jordan Love game. Mm-hmm. The Raiders twice caught the Raiders at a bad time, and they're a particularly good matchup, I think. Um, the Broncos, the Steelers, offensively, neither really any great shakes, but there's been some good wins in there as well it, from a defensive point of view, right? They had the Chargers in there, but the Chargers banged up. I was trying to, uh, I think not it might've been a little bit banged up. Yeah, they were not particularly. So they've had some good, decent wins in there, but, uh, and again, the Cowboys win, they were banged up. Definitely. I think Cooper was out. I think CD Lamb was out as well in that yeah. game. So they've had, they've had the rub of the green. Uh, so this will be a really interesting test for the defense up against this Bengals offense that is, just full of moxie and swagger on the offensive side of the ball, uh, that narrative of, well, is there a big enough, strong enough supporting cast? It goes back to my first point, uh, this show on the Cardinals and looking at how teams are built and what happens if you remove a superstar, that's going to affect any team, but how do they react and respond? Look at how the Titans have done that, right? With Derek Henry going down. Well, they've actually managed to stay contenders and how have they managed to do that? The issue with the Chiefs early on, and look, I'm not saying, hey, they were, they were clearly dysfunctional offensively in the first half of the season. But a lot of this was down to the fact that they were 
disproportionately turning over the ball, uncharacteristically so, Kelsey's issues, the offensive line was taking time to gel and the supporting, the defense wasn't playing particularly well. That's got better. That's obviously helped collectively, but the supporting cast wasn't delivering. It is now. Byron Pringles had five touchdowns, 500 yards, just shy of. McCall's had uh, 550 odd yards, a couple of scores. Edward Solera, a player we talked about, four touchdowns on the ground, over 500 yards on the ground. He's picked up more scores and more yards from the backfield. Even Derek Gore is getting in on the act, right? And picking up a couple of scores. And then we look at Kelsey and Tyreek. So that's a solid delivery production from this supporting cast, which is supposed to be, was supposed to be a, a massive drop off. Kelsey, oh, he's really not the player. Kelsey's had over a thousand yards, seven touchdowns, almost 13 a catch, right? Tyreek's had nine touchdowns, 1200. I mean, this is this idea that this Chiefs offense had suddenly got with the archi- the brilliant architect that is Andy Reid and one of the great quarterbacks of his generation. Are we surprised they're the number one seed in City Pretty? I mean, I, I'm I'm really not. I'm really not surprised. They've that, that maybe I'm surprised at how effective the defense has become. And I do acknowledge the reasonably vanilla schedule they've had, but we talked about it a lot. Spags gets his teams moving in the second units, moving in the second half. The offense was always going to find its rhythm and find its way. I'm not surprised at all. The chiefs are the number one seed. No, I'm not surprised at all either. I think we called it from pretty early on that they were going to find a way to combat the look that all the defenses were giving them earlier on the season, right. which was causing them so many problems. Like, obviously, you're going to trust in Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes to do that. And also, do you remember, like, I mean, the thing about how ridiculous it gets and how overreactive the NFL community seems to get. Do you remember, like, mm. even we were taking the mick out of it and having a laugh with it. Do you remember people were blaming it on, like, Jackson Mahomes? Yeah. <laughs> like, Jackson yeah, Mahomes amazing. TikTok. But that's what people were blaming the Chiefs' poor run on. Like, I think that is how insane this community gets when they try and look for a reason for why a team may not be playing up to the standards. But maybe the team just started slow. That is literally just the reason to give it. And as you've said, like, there's no reason to question what they've done this season. It's been just as impressive as any other season, especially when you look at the trend they've gone in, despite the relatively easy schedule they've had in recent weeks. That's why when I'm looking at this, I'm not necessarily looking at this. Mm. The teams that you've said there have all had quite formidable defenses including the Denver Broncos but the offenses are the ones which are quite questionable in that stretch Mm. and that's why I see this week potentially being a bit of regression for the defense and I think they might be Mm. a little bit exposed because I don't think they've come across a selection of weapons that Cincinnati Bengals have what do you think they do or do you think the the Bengals that is do you think they look to establish the ground game I mean because they are a team that that effectively I know it's deceptive because of all these aerial threats but they're basically a a run first they are they shouldn't do this week, though. They really shouldn't do because they, what they shouldn't do is allow Chris Jones and Frank Clark to get a stranglehold on this game and allow mm. them to go after this interior line, which is still a little bit suspect despite improving in recent weeks. Mm. And that's my fear. Whereas what I think we should do is immediately come out and let Joe cook. Like you saw what happened when they let Joe Burrow threw the ball 50 times last week. No wonder he managed to go over 500 yards. The key to Joe Burrow is, is not turning the ball over. And that has been a problem. He still leads the lead in interceptions, although there's a massive group of quarterbacks, including Patrick Mahomes, who all have 13 and 14. So that's a quite an inflated stat and shouldn't yeah, be too much into. Yeah, really good yeah. point. You read it all the time. It's just the same kind of thing as well. They've given up you know, one of the worst defenses in the league because of all the passing yards they've given up when most of them are junk time a lot yeah, of the exactly. time it's junk time offense that people are trying to chase the game and this yeah. means nothing and I kind of agree with you though, that there isn't some huge jump there and it's the way they, they play right he takes risks and he airs it out so sure he's going to get picked 
So that's yeah. a key going into this game. But with all that considered mm. and what we're going to witness, as you said, we've already established how excited we are about Joe Burrow and his career, what he's shown, the moxie he's shown this season already, the positive trend that the Kansas City Chiefs offense has been on, the fact that they're scoring 30 points a game at the minute. I don't think they've been kept. I think they've scored, what is it? Um, yeah, they've scored no less than 34 points in their last three games. So mm. I don't think the Bengals are going to be able to hold them below 30 because I do think this Bengals passing D is average. Josh Johnson, a lot of these were in garbage time, but he still walked off the street and went for 304 yards last week. So like <laughs> that is saying that this Bengals passing D is a little bit suspect. It's about average in the middle of the park. So I don't expect Patrick Mahomes to have any problems. Mm. And obviously we know now probably one of the constant trends that I've always talked about on this show, the Bengals can't stop tight ends. They allow 900, they've allowed 997 yards to tight ends this season, ranked 30th in the NFL. So that does not look good going up against Kelsey. So what I'm going to do here, Nat, with all that considered, mm. is quote a man who I actually adore. I'm sure you will do as well. Matthew McConaughey. Yes. His, oh, one yeah, of the greats. One of the greats. In his autobiography, he talks about how much he also loves degenerate NFL gambling because he calls it Great, a, a ticket to the game. He calls yeah. it you're buying a ticket to the game and you're just sitting there and you're enjoying it. Obviously, within your means, what will be within his means is a lot more than what's within my means, a lot more than my fibers. <laughs> but yeah. at the same time, it's still the same, it's still the same point. And that's why I'm going to take the over. I'm going to take the over in this game. Like and the overs, the line is what? So it was I actually got it earlier in the week at 49 and a half. It's gone up to 51 and a half, but I still like that. I think the Chiefs are definitely that. going to score 30 points. I don't expect the Bengals to be able to establish the run too well, which I think means we'll put the ball in Joe Burrow's hands. And I think mm. when we do that, I think we'll see another big week for the incredible cast of T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, and Tyler Boyd. If they take away one of them, the other two will feast. Yeah, and if and it, stating obvious, but nevertheless, if you're looking at the over, if both of them are airing it out, and Edward Tolera, I think, is an injury doubt, we'll keep an eye on him. He is, but. and the Bengals actually are really good run D. They've got, they rank seventh mm. in run defense, and we should get DJ Reader back this week, who's one of the underrated mm. players in this league. Mm. So if both of them, Mahomes and, and Burrow, are airing it out, then yeah, it could be a, a long game and the points could be racked up. What's the line? Uh, so the Chiefs are five point favorites? So the Chiefs are five-point favourites. We're actually seeing a sharp money coming in on Cincinnati. Fifty Over 50% of the tickets are coming on Kansas City, but 71% mm. of the cash is coming in on Cincinnati. I think right. that's because as much, it's funny because it's like, where, where do you buy low here? Mm. These two teams are as high rated as they've, as they've probably been this season, and they're both coming in against each other. So that's why I think everyone's saying, then why are they giving Cincinnati five points at home? That doesn't make necessarily too much sense. Mm. Um, and I think as much as Kansas City have obviously been on this incredible covering the spread trend, I think people are kind of saying this looks like a classic Kansas City Chiefs spot where they'll never look like losing the game. Yeah. But at the same time, they, the Cincinnati Bengals might be able to keep it close because of what they have on offense and the capabilities they have on offense. So I think that's why the sharp money is coming in on Cincinnati. I think this one will be around that number. I think this is. Mm. I think the the book, like the market's probably got it right. I think it's at that point. I don't think the Cincinnati Bengals are as good as a team as the Kansas City Chiefs, and I think that is probably about the right number. But at the same time, like I think mm. it will be somewhere within that. So I'd be more tempted just to take the over, which has actually just gone down mm. to 51. So it's not 51 oh, and a half anymore. Oh, crucial number, of course, 51 as well. Yeah. I love that over, definitely. I think I'm leaning Chiefs as well. If it stays five, I think I will probably take the Chiefs, Chiefs at five. But I like the over more. Uh, and I cannot wait for the game. <laughs> exactly, that's the thing, isn't it? It's yeah. like we'll be doing it live on radio, won't we? Yeah. It'll just be, I just can't wait. It's going to be so exciting. I can't wait. 
We're live five o'clock talk sport to Sunday, the 2nd of January. That is so thank God it's uh, not new. <laughs> yeah. That'll be an interesting show. Uh, right. Let's move on. Speaking of games, I cannot wait for the Cleveland Pittsburgh game. Monday night football has an extra layer of intrigue now because Roethlisberger has confirmed what we all expected and was certainly one of the worst kept secrets in, in football that this is likely to be his last home game is to summarize what he said to, to the media. The first time he's spoken directly to the media about this, right? There were, you know, reports getting talking about him having had conversations with teammates and yada, yada, yada. But this is the first official. Yeah. looks like it. Tomlin's been down playing it. Of course, this could be the last hurrah that, and the Steelers, of course, very much in playoff contention still at seven, seven and one, the Browns with their, capitulation last week less so now where are you on this is this going to be is this head versus heart because it is for me i'm looking at this thinking the steelers we know how one-dimensional they are and just frankly how weird they are offensively where they are just amongst the worst offenses i can remember for much of a game and then suddenly they spring to life and they turn into quite a decent offense their defense has fallen off a cliff uh, injuries have, have been significant there as well uh, by its high standards. It, you know, I'm not saying it's, it's the worst in the NFL by any stretch, although their run D is dead last against uh, against the rush, 142.7 per game. And that's not a great spot to be in against the Cleveland Browns. So my heart says Roethlisberger, there is no way in Pittsburgh at Heinz, there is no way he loses this game. There is no way the Steelers faithful allow it. My head says Cleveland's probably the, the smart play. What's the line and what are you thinking? So the line is Cleveland Browns are favoured by three points and the over-under is at 41 and a half. It's simple now. Mm. It's simple where I'm going with this. Mm. Mike Tomlin, as a home dog, 12-2-1 and one against the spread. Right. They Mike Tomlin, as an underdog of a field goal or shorter, 18, seven and one yeah. against the spread. Tomlin's not letting him lose his last game. <laughs> Tomlin is not no letting Ben And the defence, like, no one's letting him lose. No one is letting him lose this game. The fans, the defence, yeah. Ben in himself, even yeah. if they're down 10 points in the fourth quarter, suddenly Ben wakes up in the fourth mm. quarter. It's this weird trend that keeps happening throughout yeah. the season where the Steelers suddenly decide to start playing offence yeah. in the fourth quarter. But you're right. I mean, the Browns have the number one rushing attack in the NFL, 5.1 yards per attempt. The Steelers' defense ranks 31st against the run, allowing 4.8 per carry. I mean, it makes absolutely no sense that the Pittsburgh Steelers come away with a victory here just based on the matchup. But when you look at these two coaches, Kevin Stavansky has a terrible record in division against spread. He has a miserable one and nine in divisional games. It is absolutely, and I just think one on one, Mano y Mano, Mike mm. Tomlin against Kevin Stefanski, considering all the context involved in this game, mm. especially giving us the key number of three. I expect this number to be bet down as the week goes on, especially by professionals, because everyone loves Mike Tomlin as an underdog. The amount of podcasts, the amount of articles I've read with Sharps who have contacts professional betters, everyone just says, if you're going to give me Mike Tomlin as a home underdog, mm. I will always back him. Yeah, Heinz, last game at Roethlisberger's last game at Crazy I'm life. always going to back him. And especially when you're giving me three points against Baker Mayfield, how the, the Browns should have won that game last week. 100%. They were running all over Green Bay and they still didn't manage to win that game. So See, why are you saying that they will be able to do that against Pittsburgh this week? Well, that's that's an interesting argument, I guess, that a, a bounce back from Mayfield in, in that it was such a bad game. He's not a terrible quarterback. 
he's definitely got that always had that swagger and moxie I'll show him it's prime time I could see Mayfield having a, a, a rebound game for sure against a, a defense that is as we as we just said is not what it was seven eight weeks ago so I can I can definitely see that but yeah look and hey you know we haven't mentioned the probably the most important thing proper what's that Freya moves back oh, of course yeah there one of the go. greatest names in the NFL and he's yeah, also been go. one of he has been also key in their passing game yeah uh, exactly. we can't underplay yeah, yeah, yeah. how important he has been so that is huge that is huge. All right. We're, so we're heavily on the Steelers, certainly at plus three there. Love that. All right. Uh, time for our Drew Locks of the Week. Oh, I'm going to let you go first. Okay. Well, I have to apologize to you, Nat. We're not going to go into the new year on a, in a nice way. Mm. We've discussed it before. The QBs that the Dolphins have beaten oh, on their seven-game win streak. Here we go. I love the fact you've gone here because I almost went the other way. Did you? <laughs> they have beat... Tyra Taylor, mm-hmm. Zach Wilson, Cam Newton, Mike Lennon, Ian Book, Joe Flacco, and then that one game, that one impressive win against the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. Yeah. This is simply after after having to, I basically haven't slept all week now, just thinking about how square of a play that LA Chargers one was. Like yeah. I've really beaten myself <laughs> up about it. Have you so, had? Did you have the Rocky Four soundtrack on? And yeah, been... I did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what I'm trying to do this week now is just play purely mm. on value. Just go back to my roots, play the sharp side, and there is no sharper side this week than buying selling high on the Miami Dolphins on their seven-game win streak, going up Mm. against the Tennessee Titans team that especially proved last week they are a genuinely very, very good football team, both defensively and offensively when they have the right pieces in place. I know they still don't have Derrick Henry, but I think Dante Foreman is a good running back and can still run on this Miami Dolphins defense. Mm. I I think this Dolphins team is going to struggle to put up points. And I think all I'm doing here now is just playing the number. Give me the Titans minus three and a half and a big letdown spot for the Dolphins. Yeah, and three and a half is is a worry for sure. And I, I look, I think it makes sound logic. Where I was thinking of going the other way, not as not anywhere close to my Drew Lock of the week, but looking at the games I'm going to have some action on and uh, probably more again of head head over, sorry, heart over head if you're <laughs> if you're thinking of following suit on this one. But I like the fact that that game, the Titans win and the way A.J. Brown in the second half, and and the comms were talking about it as well, you know, all through the first half, you can see A.J. Brown's been out for a long time. And what's up with A.J. Brown? Then he he goes off. I like the matchup there with the Dolphins secondary and and, and Xavier Howard and Byron Jones against the, against the, the Titans, I, I, I think they can do a, well. They will definitely do a much more effective job than, than the 49ers in that respect. And I think that gets interesting. Then the flip side of that is that the, there is the ground game for the Finns is non-existent. So Jalen, the worst O line in the league. You have the worst uh, offensive terrible, O-line terrible. In the off, and those those two things I think are connected to a degree. And and you take Jalen Waddle out, then e- things get a little bit concerning as well what's the what's the total line on this by the way the total is obviously very low considering what the Dolphins have done in recent weeks it's at 39 and a half yeah I mean I I think you've you've got a solid shout there I do I 
do it's quite... not i buy it but i wouldn't say it's like one of those where i'm walking into it being like i'm really really confident about it but mm-hmm. it's because because of what we see from the dolphins you and can, the number and then, yeah and the yeah. numbers the number's not the best and we've actually seen earlier in the week we saw a lot of money coming in on tennessee but since the number's gone mm-hmm. three and a half the money has come back in mm-hmm. on the miami dolphins but i am sure i i would have taken the saints massively last week if it wasn't for the decimation they had in injuries yeah you can't pay i mean it, you it's a it's a good point you make you can't pay too much attention and it's more it's more offensively I think against this Titans D that I'm worried about with the Dolphins I think their defense yeah, will, exactly. will, will hold reasonably firm against uh, against it's going to be a low scoring game yeah so maybe the maybe the unders the play there uh, alright well <clears throat> I am going I, I thought about the Rams I thought about going back to the Rams game because if you've seen and everyone's talking about the footage of Lamar and his ankle there's no way he's going to be fit and yeah and their secondary we know and defense banged up so thought about the Rams but I mm, I'm I've and I've got the Rams as part of our Acker which is coming up Acker with a little twist but my Drew Lock of the week old remember we are both locked at 10 and 6 so it's getting critical I am going to the Green Bay Packers interesting against the Vikings the Packers and I'm taking them Six minus six and a half is it's what seven is it? now. Is it, oh, you're kidding me? Yeah, it's seven now. Six it's gone back between it. the two. It's gone back between the two, seven, six and a half the whole time. Well, what Ooh. I'm looking at is seven. It'll be on different bookies. So uh, yeah, let's have a look. If if I can show you a six and a half, will you give it to me? Because that's obviously quite critical. Yeah, so I'm Ooh. looking at six and a half. Yeah, but then I could argue I could easily find a Titans at three. Well, I will happily if you can find me a Titans at three. I'm a gentleman, and I will let you have that time. Okay, fine. If you want, or is that fair? Yeah, we fine. Okay, so we'll do. So we'll do. Yeah, different books have it. a crucial line, crucial numbers there, and certainly the six and a half to seven is is important. Look, the Vikings D is banged up. They've got n- nothing to play for. The just give me Aaron Rodgers all day long in that in that situation. The Packers conversely do. He certainly does as well. Of course, the MVP. And, and look, I'm not saying Rodgers is going to be motivated by winning the MVP more than one of the Packers to succeed collectively. But you're telling me that's not on his mind in a game like this. Yeah. We've got the Lions week 18. They might well, depending on how things play out, not necessarily using that much. Again, it depends on how the, the playoff picture and the seedings work out. But this is his shot to end the regular season with a flourish to put Brady down in the MVP stakes. And the, the Vikings are wrong trajectory I'm not saying I'm not going to go as far as to say that dysfunctional and Zimmer needs to go and any of that overreaction yet but easy spot I think for the Packers offense here to flex less than a touchdown Packers is my Drew Lock of the week yeah I mean obviously 100% you've got to take considering what we've seen from the Vikings and what we've seen from the Packers in recent weeks especially the only thing that I've noticed over the past couple of weeks which included your when you picked the Packers over the Ravens a couple of weeks back and mm. last week against the Browns is the Packers seem to be doing that thing that the Chiefs were doing last year, which is winning the game in the first half and yes. then just allowing the team to come back into it and almost toying with them a little yeah, bit. Yeah, 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 and yeah, that's yeah. my only fear is that they seem to not be covering spreads right now. They seem mm. to be winning games without really any trouble, but not covering spreads and winning by big numbers just because they seem to only... They can. And it's, yeah, yeah. they just because they can. Aaron Rodgers seems to... If there's, if there's not a necessity for him to score mm. a touchdown or for him to score a field goal, it doesn't seem like he almost wants to. You know, like He almost seems to only want to have the moments where it's 36 seconds left on the clock and he needs to... He does just enough. 30 yards to get... 
field goal or 60-yard score a touchdown. All right. Acker of the week. Remember, you can veto this proper if you want. One of the yeah. picks. And listeners, you can go with my Acker proposed version uh, or we'll go your own way <laughs> if you want it. Hey, how did our Acker get on last week? You had the Chargers, didn't it? Oh, God. Okay, and you put yeah. the Niners in the Thursday night one, but we, we got rid of them and put the rounds in. So like, I thought we'd touch that, that but like, yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but no. <laughs> My Drew Locks are going better than the Akers. Actually, we're still winning on our Akers this season. Yeah. We, so. All right. Uh, I'm going Rams over Ravens. So yep. I did think about them and the points as well, incidentally. That's one of my favorite bets of the week, but yep. uh, not my Drew Locks. So Rams over Ravens. Uh, the Cowboys over the cards, straight up. Yep. And here's with a little flourish. I think tease the Bucks. The Bucks are double digit favorites. Tease the Bucks to six and a half so under a touchdown. So Rams over Ravens, Cowboys over Cards. Tease the Bucks to six and a half. Uh, that is just shy of two to one. Why are you smiling, Brubbo? You know, I'm, I'm just I'm not no, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I, I think that's. I think I like all of those picks. I think they're sound. I'm just feeling that we should just add the Pittsburgh Steelers in there. I just there's just a part of me that really oh. wants to just add that risk because that would 14. boost up to like five to one, six. Let's one, do it. All right. Well, there you go. So if you're feeling ambitious, yeah, and interest, chuck the Steelers, the Steelers in, in straight up, straight up, or straight up points, straight up Steelers. Straight Love up, yeah. it. All right. Uh, let's wrap with your propo prop bets of the week. Yes, exactly. All right. Matt Stafford over 287 and a half passing yards. I'm going yeah. for Stafford stunk last week. There's no doubt about it, but with only one touchdown and three interceptions against the struggling Vikings defense, but it's, this is what Stafford does. He's hot, he's cold, and I expect him to be hot this week against mm. the secondary that ranks 32nd against the pass and averaged 312 passing yards conceded over the past three games in the Baltimore Ravens. So I like this as a spot for Stafford. Next one, not sure if it even needs that much of an explanation. Debo Samuel score a touchdown. He has mm. five receiving TDs this season and seven on the ground. The guy is a definition of a Swiss Army knife on offense. He will do whatever the Niners need him to do, especially against the Texans this week. I expect him to be utilized in the red zone. Looks like Jimmy G is going to play despite the thumb injury and Debo Sang was one of his favorite targets. So I expect Debo to score a touchdown here. Going on what you just said about the Bucks, my final one, Antonio Brown to score a touchdown. Hadn't played since week six due to an ankle injury and a, and a suspension for having a fake vaccination guard, but we yeah, won't say that. Too. Yeah, Bruce that Harris doesn't talk about it, so we won't talk about it. Yeah. Uh, but he came back with a bang in week six. 16, 10 catches for 101 yards last week. He's obviously going up against the Jets. They won't be able to stop him. And without Chris Godwin or Mike Evans on the field, Mike uh, Antonio Brown's going to be seeing all of the targets. So I expect him to score a touchdown against the Jets this week. I love all three of those. I'm get, definitely going to get behind them. If you are going to follow suit and indeed any of the picks we talked about, everything in moderation, gang, have fun with it, but don't get carried away hey seeing as you mentioned Matthew McConaughey proper I'm going to wrap on this because we know you never watch anything whether it's a movie or drama that's made before the year 2016 unless I steer in the right direction so I gave you rounders a few weeks back and really enjoyed that two for the money that was another film I suggested at the time I don't know if you caught up with that yet with McConaughey and Al Pacino have you watched it yet no I haven't watched that yet of course you have watched it two for the money basically he plays a college quarterback that gets injured can't ever play the game again and gets into sports tipping and is on a old school sports tipping phone line in Texas mm. doing quite well. And Pacino runs a whole sports gambling enterprise in New York and finds him and brings him to New York. It's that sounds brilliant. Actually, great. I watch that. It is great, bud. Uh, it, it's not the greatest film ever. It kind of fails off, but the first hour of it is right up your street. And indeed, I suspect quite a few of our listeners as well. So go, there you go. That's a good new year's day. Hung I was up about to say, that's literally what I was about to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Two for the money. Uh, Insulate. speaking of new year's day, Big college slate, of course, with the semifinals 
uh, and uh, bowl season in full swing. So we'll be back next week with uh, College Days. Ben Isaacs back in the hot seat for that one. Propo and I will be back next week for Edge Rush. I and Mike will be back as well, reviewing week 17. All of that to come as we rattle things up into the playoffs, heading towards the Super Bowl right here on the NC Show. So if you haven't already subscribed to us, uh, on whichever pod platform you listen to us on social at the NC show, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Still no TikTok, but hey, maybe 2022 is our year for TikTok. Maybe on. it is. Maybe not. Happy New Year, bud. Happy New Year to all our listeners out there. Have a good one and we'll see you in 22. Podcast Network.